Coming up this hour, we're joined all hour by founder and CEO of Generation Distinct, Hannah Granowski. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everyone. Welcome to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, normally joined by Brian Fromm, but he is out gallivanting, as the kids say, on vacation with his family. But fret not, he will return mid-next week. But in his absence, we have a whole smattering of really wonderful guest hosts. And before we get to that, real briefly, you can find us a bunch of places. First, on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show. That's where we post our articles. You can send us a message if you have ideas for future shows. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Common Good Talk and wherever it is you get your podcasts. I know you're tired of hearing me say it, but subscribing, rating, and reviewing, all of that does magically, mystically somehow really help us out. And we're so grateful for those of you who have done it. And I think I think this is maybe her three-peat. I think this is her third time on the show. Yep. Founder and CEO of Generation Distinct, Hannah Gronowski. Welcome back to the show, friend. Hey, it is so fun to be back. I feel like I'm part of the fam now. Like I'm just, I'm just giving myself that title. I'm part of the fam now. <laughs> I can sign <laughs> off on that. Hannah Gronowski, part of the common good fam. I'm okay with that. Uh, yes, Anyone who is not familiar with you, why don't you take just a minute or two and uh, introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, absolutely. Well, Kind of what you would see on the bio, I guess, is that, yes, I am the CEO and founder of a nonprofit called Generation Distinct, which I'm sure we're going to talk about a little bit more mm-hmm. later. I'm also a speaker. I'm an author. I'm a podcast host. I have a YouTube channel and a lot of those good things. Um, I'm also, yeah, a daughter of God. I'm a friend. I'm a sister. Um, I'm a person that loves adventure. I I have this secret, secret love for all the sports that you can't actually do in the Midwest. <laughs> so <laughs> surfing, rock climbing, all the things that are adventurous, hiking, those are like my jam. So so I love that. Um, I love road tripping. I love really good coffee, but not like lattes as much. I'm a dark black mm-hmm. coffee drinker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a firm believer that of every place I've ever visited, Chicago is, in fact, the best city in the world. I will go to my grave believing that. So I'm a big <laughs> Chicago fan. Um, yeah, so that's part of me. I'm dating an awesome guy named Aaron, who I'm a huge fan of. And uh, yeah, just just really enjoying this season of discovering what this next part of our world is going to look like as we're kind of going forward into maybe more of a post-COVID world. So that's a little bit about who I am. That is one heck of an introduction. Before we get to like your organization and the book, are you just allergic to sleep? Is that what the problem is? Is that why you do the work of 10 people? Is that that the reasoning? (laughs) Something like that. Yeah. I have heard people say, you know, there are some people that just need less sleep. And I, I think I'm one of them, which I actually really enjoy. Even when I was growing up, like I hated taking naps. Like I, I always hated sleeping and people would say, why do you hate sleeping so much? And I would say, I just feel like I'm going to miss something. So I've always been like, I believe there is so much to experience. And, you know, I always say this lust for life is my edge and my curse. And it's definitely a curse sometimes, but um, it can also be also make life pretty fun, which is cool. Classic Enneagram seven. Okay. So, right. uh, so Generation Distinct is not only the name of your organization, it's also the name of the book that you have coming out in September, September 15th right. to be exact. And uh, yep. it will become 
painfully clear to everyone why why I would recommend you get this book as soon as you possibly mm-hmm. can. But before we get into the book specifically, talk to me about Generation Distinct, some of the origins. Why did you create it? What's sort of the yeah. mission and vision behind that that whole organization? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, you know, there's a lot of the story of why we started Generation Distinct and where this vision came from in the book. But, you know, if I could kind of boil it down to um, just kind of the conviction that was in my soul, I had some moments at the age of 20 when I was looking around at my peers and I was noticing <laughs> that they were leaving the church Hmm. And for me, that was confusing because I had a great experience following Jesus. I actually loved following Jesus. That was the most exciting, adventurous, risky part of my life. And so as I saw them walking away from the church, I actually felt pretty confused. Hmm. But the more I had conversations, the more I asked questions, the more I realized is they were not walking away from Jesus. They were they were walking away from this misguided, um, warped view of her of who the the church had told them that mm. Jesus was. And what I realized is that they were leaving this, you know, this misguided view of Jesus in order to chase after things like passion and purpose and wanting to fight injustice, wanting to leave their mark on the world. Like this was becoming the mantra, the language of our generation. But they were leaving the church in order to find it. And so what I realized at that moment was, wait, what if we could actually help this generation rediscover who Jesus really is? And what if in so doing, they would discover that their desperate desire for meaning, like their their soulful, soulful search for, for justice, like this deep desire they have within them to actually live a life of purpose and passion is only found not in the world, not in what culture has to offer, but actually found in the person of Jesus. And so um, we started to explore that. And the more we did, the more we realized that that is what my generation um, is really longing for. And so we started Generation Distinct as a way of helping this generation re- be reintroduced to who Jesus really is and really discover what God has uniquely called them to do. Because I believe that especially for next generation leaders, when they discover that God has a unique calling for their life, and we like to call a Generation Distinct the wrong they were born to make right when they discover that and then when they don't just stop at the discovery but actually have strategy to take action on it man we see them fall so much deeper in love with jesus because they're actually on mission with him and the reality is the next generation doesn't just want to do Christian things. They don't just want to have a label of Christian. They either want to be in or out. They want to actually change the world in the name of Jesus or change the world in the name of the world. And so if we can show them, man, the world will only change when we actually show them the one who created the world, the one who created justice, the one who created purpose and passion. Man, we see a generation become on fire for Jesus. And so Generation Sync does that. We have this four-step online journey. Um, it's, it's entirely created for young young leaders, 18 to 30 year olds, and we train them on how to discover the wrong they were born to make right, build their own custom world change strategy, get connected with world changers from around the country, and then actually be trained on how to mobilize that world change strategy. And we really believe that we're going to continue to see more and more of the world change and transformed because of these crazy young leaders who have fallen in love with Jesus and are on mission for his, his purposes. 
I love that. See, a lot of that is the reason I became a youth pastor in the first place, because yeah. I thought students were the ones that were like the most ready to actually yep. live out some of these crazy ideas in the Bible. That's where right. The adults would sort of pat you on the head and say, that was a nice sermon. I'll see you again next week. There was like this, <laughs> right. this like energy, like, no, no, let's, let's go do it. And I know we only yeah. have about a minute or left of this segment, but w- what are some of the ways that you actually help equip people to not just, you know, be, like you were saying, be informed about it, but to actually like mobilize them for mission? Yeah. Yeah. So the biggest part of our organization is our step two, and that is a four month coaching program. We call it the craft your passion experience. And they go through two months of really discovering what they're passionate about. And then two months of being trained on that passion um, with curriculum that's been developed with over 40 leaders around the globe. And then they literally end with creating their own custom world change strategy. And so that's like the the deepest, most intense part of the organization. And then everything else kind of kind of goes from there. That's phenomenal. That voice you're hearing, by the way, is Hannah Gronowski, founder and CEO of Generation Distinct. She also has a book by the same title coming out September 15th, 2020. And she is sticking around with us for the entire hour here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Friends, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, normally joined by Brian Fromm. He is out sailing the ocean blue with his family, but he'll be back next week. Real briefly, you can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, or wherever it is you get your podcast. If you're listening on the podcast and you're bored, you're, you're sort of only half listening and you want to go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review, that really does help us out a whole ton. It helps change the algorithm so more people can find the show, and we really appreciate that. But in Brian's absence, we have a whole bunch of really wonderful guest hosts. And my guest for this entire hour is Hannah Gronowski, founder and CEO of Generation Distinct. And also, as we established in the first segment, a part of the Common Good family. And uh, Mm -hmm. she also has a book coming out this September, September 15th, to be exact, with the same title, Generation Distinct, Discover the Wrong You Were Born to Make Right. Tell us a little bit more about not only the book, but maybe even the process of, of even writing a book. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, I was that little girl that if you asked her what she wanted to be when she grew up, I would have said a writer. And, Mm. you know, I don't know, you know, exactly if I could have articulated this as a child. But now looking back, I, I know that part of that was just I loved this idea that I could use words and stories to change things in our world and to transform people's lives and individuals who I would maybe never come into contact in normal life. And so I always loved the idea that um, I could be a writer and I could use that platform. I was raised on the classics and and I just loved telling stories. And so fast forward, I wanted to get a book. I've always been probably too um, <laughs> too driven in certain things and loved setting um, some, some intense goals for myself. And so I had a goal to... Um, get a book deal by the time I was 24. And wow. so around the time I was 22, I started to dream and think about, man, what would it look like um, to write a book about the things I'm really passionate about? And man, I was like, I was always talking about this stuff anyway. And so I just started to write out some stories and some experiences mm-hmm. I had. And and what I said, say in the book and in kind of the beginning is that this book is kind of the chronicle of the last five years of 
of my life mm. um, from the age of 20 to now at the age of 25, where I just realized at the age of 20 that I was doing a lot of good Christian things. Like I, I worked at a church, actually. I was in a small group. Like I volunteered even when I wasn't working at the church, like at the church I was volunteering to. And, you know, I did a lot of like good Christian things. But at the end of the day, I would still come home and feel like something was missing. Mm. And feel like, man, there has to be even more than this. Because when I read through stories of, of scripture and, and the heroes of our faith, I saw this life of, of sacrifice and, and kind of like this crazy, intense belief in the impossible and pouring yourselves out for a mission. But in a lot of ways, my life felt pretty safe and comfortable. Mm. And so I started to ask, man, what would it take? To, to recreate my life, to actually discover what I call in the book, a totally new way to live. And what I realized is I wasn't the only young leader asking those questions. And it turned out that there was a lot of young leaders asking the same exact question. People that are looking maybe at the faith of their parents or maybe looking at the faith of other people around them and saying, that's fine, but I think there's something more. Like I think mm-hmm. that if I look back at the example of how Jesus lived, there is this world-changing, adventurous, risky, exciting kind of life following after the most radical leader who has ever lived. And I want to figure out what that is. And so I, I started to write some stories about what that looked like for me to discover that. And really that's what this book is. It's a, it's a chronicle of stories. I call it my guideposts mm-hmm. that I kind of hit as I as I discovered what we now call the life that matters. And so um, that's what we really want to invite readers into is to kind of create their own journey that this might be, a, 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 you know, like spark Gives, like spark them to want to find their own journey, to, that it would be that thing that would say, maybe I can discover how to create a whole new way to live as well. And it's just kind of me sharing um, what the last five years has been like and, and now what I've discovered. And it's certainly not the perfect life. It's definitely not a glamorous life. But what I can say without a shadow of a doubt is I'm truly living a life that matters because um, I'm living a life that is not about me, but actually mm. about a mission that's so much greater than myself. That's really good. You mentioned the word safety a couple times in there. Why, why do you think yeah. we tend to be so obsessed with or, or at the very least gravitate towards safety? Yeah, I mean, I think sometimes um, safety, and, and I even talk about this in the book at one point, that safety kind of lures us with its promises of mm. of goodness. Like the, even the world will sell safety to us, whether it's the commercials we watch or the ads we hear when our Spotify, you know, goes that goes on ads, or or the you know the billboards we see as we're driving down the highway. There's this lure of safety. You know, if you just get that much money, then you won't have to worry anymore. Or if you just get right. this condo, you're finally going to be in the better area and it's going to be the best school systems and you're going to be safe and it's going to be comfortable and you won't have to worry anymore, right? Or or as soon as you can get to la- that level of success or get the corner office, then you'll be safe and comfortable and you won't have to worry anymore. 
But what's, what's so interesting is that so often the world is selling us the things that we think will make us happy. When in reality, if we look at the heroes in our world, no matter if you're someone that follows Jesus and is listening to this, or you're not really sure about Jesus, all of our heroes ran in the opposite direction of all the things the world tells us will bring us fulfillment, right? Like mm-hmm. we, why do we admire people like Martin Luther King Jr.? Because he ran straight in the opposite direction of anything that was safe or comfortable. Why do, why do we appreciate people like Mother Teresa? Well, she ran in the opposite direction of anything that was safe or comfortable. And so the world is selling us safety and comfort is what you want. But when we actually look at the people who change the world, I mean, Jesus is the ultimate example. Sometimes the life of purpose that we're actually longing for will lead us into the most intense discomfort and danger and risk that we've ever experienced. But I actually believe that is what our soul is longing for because that is what we were created for because we were created in the image of a God who sent his son not to live an easy life, but to live a life of sacrifice that changed the world. That's so good. I I remember years ago, I think, yeah, it was an interview that I heard with Jim Carrey and he was talking about Mm -hmm. his dad being this really talented comedian, but he, yeah. he played a safe and got a job as an accountant and then he was let mm-hmm. go from that safe job. And then he said, you can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance on what you love doing. Come on. Yeah. And what a perspective that is of someone who like watched yeah. his dad who, yeah. and again, made the safe decision for the sake of his family. I think in a lot of ways right. that's honorable, but yep. had this like deep burning, this yearning for something different that he, he yeah. didn't take. And I, I'm wondering as someone who coaches and walks with a lot of young people, what do you, what do you say to the person who's sort of at that crossroads? They're like, I, I feel this tension between the safe thing and the thing that I really feel like lights up my heart or makes my heart beat mm. fast. What, what do you say to that young leader who's like facing sort of that choice? Yeah. You know, I, I always say it doesn't have to change everything about your life. This, this step into what we call the life that matters. And, and even for me, we talk about this in the book. It's not like I sold all my possessions and moved to Africa. Like I still live in the same area. In many ways, you could look at my life and say, it looks fairly the same, but there is an internal thing that changed because I decided to make small changes that I knew would push me towards my purpose. And so if you're passionate about about refugees and the refugee crisis in our world, you don't have to pick up and and move to to Syria, you know, like you can actually just go to the place in your own town that that helps welcome refugees and offer to volunteer. You know, you can make small steps in the right direction and that will lead you into a life that matters. That's really good. That other voice you're hearing, by the way, is Hannah Gronowski, founder and CEO of Generation Distinct. She's also a speaker and the author of a new book that comes out September 15th, Generation Distinct, Discovering the Wrong You Were Born to Make Right. And coming up next, I want to ask her about a huge initiative that they just announced called 2023. We're talking about that next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Well, hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. Thanks for coming back. We missed you. Uh, Brian Fromm also misses you because he's on vacation with his family right now, but I'm still here. And all week and some of next week, we have some very, very special guests joining us. Before we get into that, real briefly, you can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, on Instagram and Twitter, at Common Good Talk, and wherever it is you get your podcasts. I'm going to say it till the cows come home. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing helps us out a whole ton And we're super, super grateful for all of you who have already done that because we're told 
by some black magic that actually helps. And uh, we're <laughs> grateful for that. And we have for all of this hour, Hannah Gronowski, the CEO and founder of Generation Distinct. She also has a new book coming out September 15th, Generation Distinct, Discover the Wrong You Were Born to Make Right. They also just announced a huge initiative called 2023. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about that initiative, Hannah? Yes, it's been so fun to actually have it out in the world and for having to have people know about it. Um, you know, the, the crazy part about COVID is that, um, this whole COVID-19 experience being in quarantine, um, you know, our staff has had very different meetings. They've been over Zoom and, and as that, I'm sure that's something that most of our listeners can relate to. But mm-hmm. the really exciting thing is that Generation Instinct is always online. And so we didn't have to totally recreate what we were doing. And what that left us with is some extra margin to dream about the future. And so we really started to just seek God and have some conversations on what we wanted the next three years of our ministry to look like. And over the past two and a half years since starting Generation Distinct, we've been largely working behind the scenes, developing the core of what we do. So what we do, again, as I said in the beginning, is we have this four-step online strategy that if young leaders walk through, we target 18 to 30-year-olds. If they walk through it, they will kind of end that experience experience, knowing the wrong they were born to make right and having a strategy, their own custom world change strategy to actually see that wrong made right in the world. And that's been happening largely behind the scenes. It's It's been happening through beta testers and we've had some individuals go through it to help us make sure that it's effective, but it's finally fully launching with step four and everything this fall at the same time as the book. So in September, not only is the book going live, but our entire four-step journey will be complete, ready to go public in the world. And with this kind of big step, with this big moment in our organization, we said, man, what is it going to look like over the next three years to see this four-step journey really impacts a lot of individuals. And so what we felt was the God-given vision was we are committed to unleash 2,023 young leaders to discover the wrong they were born to make right and experience who Jesus really is by the end of 2023. And that, for at least for me, gets me so excited because when I think about that, the cool part about Generation Distinct is it's not just about developing their own creative um, visions and callings and world change strategies. It's all it's all about equipping them to create things that will create change, right? And so we're just picturing, even as a team, we're dreaming about the ripples that are going to happen because of this. It's not just that the fact that two thousand and 23 young leaders will be living with passion. 2,023 young leaders will discover the wrong they were born to make, right? 2,023 young leaders will be discovering who Jesus really is. But those 2,023 young leaders will be leading, will be starting things, will be changing things in our world. And the ripples that we are expecting to see in this country, in this world, because there's going to be 2,023 young leaders who have a strategy for their one only life blows me away. And the staff and I just feel completely blown away that we have the opportunity to lead this. And so we're really, really humbled. We are so expectant. And um, yeah, we're, we're really excited about what this is going to look like for, for our world. That's awesome. I, I want to ask a sort of like peek behind the curtain question. Do you ever as yeah. a leader, like after you hit the post button announcing 2023 <laughs> leaders, do you ever like lie awake at night thinking, 
uh, that number might be too big or, oh no, what have I, what have I done telling people that the book is coming out or like, <laughs> as a leader, do you ever have those like second guessing moments? Like once the noise is quieted, you're like, oh boy, yeah. that might've been too big. That might've been too fast or, yeah. or any of that. Do you, do you, uh, do you feel the weight of any of that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and honestly, that is the beauty of what happens when we invite more voices to the table. Yeah, if it was yeah. just me leading this and posting this, I would for sure be afraid. And I probably wouldn't have even ever had that vision because I, I know I cannot do it alone. But because of the incredible Generation Sync staff, because of the board, because of the people, we have a Generation Sync core team. I mean, there's so many layers of people who are involved in this. When I have those moments of weakness, I can reach out to my team. I mean, I had a moment probably a week after the launch. I texted our board president, who is the coolest board president, because who else can just text her when when you need somebody? Um, but she's been a mentor of mine for a while. And I texted her. I said, hey, I'm, I'm honestly a little bit concerned. And and what if we don't reach this? And, and with this big vision, we launched a huge fundraiser. And I said, hey are we going to reach this? Are we going to be able to do this? And she just spoke truth back to me. And honestly, if you as a leader are not having those moments of freak out, I kind of think the vision is just not big enough because especially for this vision, my team and my board and I, we have had to literally just ask God, we need you. We need you to show up because it does not make sense that we could, we could get this to happen. We cannot raise what we're trying to raise on our own power. We cannot reach to the over 2000 young leaders in our own power. We're going to need a work of God. And that's why we believe it's a God-sized vision. So yes, I have the freak out moments. Yes, I have the self-doubt moments. And I believe if you're a leader, that's why it's so important to have circles of safety around you that there can be people that you can reach out and be real with and who will speak truth back to you. I love that. I remember hearing Donald Miller years ago, the phrase mm. he used was living life just beyond the breakers. And mm. it was, You're a surfer. So this didn't totally make sense to me at the moment, but the more he talked about it, the more he's like, just beyond the breakers is the most terrifying place to be in the water. Mm. And it actually like holds the most promise. And he's like, the problem That's is right. most, most of us just stay like you were talking about in the safety of what's known for understandable right. reasons. He's like totally. man, movement, momentum, you know, talk about like, I forget who said it. Maybe it's Blaise Pascal, like ships are safe in the Harbor, but that's not what mm. ships are built for, you know, Come like, on. Yep. they can live in the Harbor. Yeah. But that's not what a ship does. That's not, that's okay. not what a ship was built for. I, I'm wondering that's in the right. last minute, minute and a half or so we have with this segment, uh, who is this really for? Like, you said mm-hmm. 30 year olds, but like, just take a minute or so and really cast vision for someone who's listening, thinking maybe, maybe I'm that person. And then maybe give them yeah. like a next step. Like what's the website that they need to go to or what's the next thing that they need to do? Absolutely. Okay. If you are listening right now and you are somebody who has passion to change the world, if you have said things like, I am so frustrated with the injustice in our world right now. I am so torn up, man. I want to solve it. I want to do something to contribute, to see our world transformed, to see unity and equality and beauty and to see injustice defeated. Then this is for you. Because what I know about myself is that so often I can say I have passion for something, but I have no idea idea where to start and what to do and how to turn that from an idea 
to an actual strategy that creates lasting change. So if you're a person that wants to really take that seriously, who doesn't just want to tweet about injustice, but wants to actually take action against injustice, if you don't want to just tweet about changing the world, but actually wants to change the world. And if you're in that 18 to 30 year old range, especially, um, I want to invite you go to generationsync.com. Um, right now, there's a really clear button right on our home, home screen that says start here. You mm-hmm. can enroll in, in that first four month coaching program right now and you'll be paired with a leadership coach who will walk you through a four month journey. And at the end of it, you will have a custom world change strategy for how you were uniquely born to change the world. Dang, that couldn't be clear. All right, so generationdistinct.com. That's generationdistinct.com. Go there right now. Click the start here. Start now. Get started. What was it? Yes, <laughs> start things. here. Start yeah. here. That's, it's clear. Either way, it's right there on the home screen. And uh, <laughs> Hannah's going to stick around with us for one more segment. I'm going to ask her a little bit more about her podcast. That's coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, normally joined by Brian Fromm, but he is, well, he's missing. So if you've seen him, let us know because we're very concerned. We're just kidding. He's, uh, he's actually on vacation with his family. But in his absence, we have a whole bunch of really wonderful special guest hosts. This hour, we have founder and CEO of Generation Distinct, my friend Hannah Gronowski, who also has a brand new book coming out, Generation Distinct, Discovering the Wrong You Were Born to Make Right, which comes out September 15th, 2020. You can learn more at generationdistinct.com, hannahgronowski.com. And just to say it out loud, Hannah, I am super grateful for you, for your passion, your leadership, your friendship. I think Chicagoland is better because you're here and it's been it's been really cool I've known you, I think, probably six or seven years now. Just yeah, to see yeah. the way that God has kind of stirred and moved and directed in your life. And it mm-hmm. really is a joy, even from a distance, to watch the ways that God wow. is growing and stirring in you. So super appreciative of you and the stuff that God is already doing. And I have no doubt he's going to continue to do for wow. years and years to come. I'm I'm honored to uh even be able to share this conversation with you. So thanks for making wow. the time. Appreciate it. Oh, come on. Ian, you know I'm a huge, huge Ian Sim- Simpkins fan. You don't have to say that, but I'll allow <laughs> it. That's okay. um, real briefly, before we get into talking about the podcast, you were mentioning this initiative 2023, and I'd love to make sure yeah. people know where they can go to learn more, to sign up or support or whatever, whatever you need in that regard. I love it. Yes. Um, so you can go to generationdistinct.com, generationdistinct.com slash 2023. And that will bring you to a page where you can watch about a 90 second video that really does a good job of sharing the vision behind this. And then below you'll see two buttons that says for young leaders or for partners. If you're a young leader, especially in that 18 to 30 year old range, go ahead and click on the for young leaders page and it will help you discover how you can be a part of the 2023 vision. Um, if you're maybe in the older generation category and you are listening, you're thinking, man, I want to support this. Hannah mentioned there's a big fundraiser going on. Um, mm-hmm. If you believe in empowering and equipping young leaders, if you want to see the next generation come back into the church and discover who Jesus really is, man, we'd be humbled if you would partner with us to see that vision become a reality. You can click on the four partners button and you'll see how you can support it financially and really make this vision a reality. That's awesome. Again, that website is generationdistinct.com slash 2023. And as if all of that wasn't enough, Hannah (laughs) also has a podcast somehow, magically. Uh, I'd love for you to talk to us a little bit about 
the podcast itself. You mentioned that you're uh, you're doing some new things with the podcast. Where did the dream yeah. for a podcast even originate? Uh, any any of those questions is fair game. Yeah. Well, as a young leader myself, I have a huge value that I put on learning from leaders who have gone before me. And I was um, really convicted at a very young age that I always wanted to be someone that realized, even though I have opportunity at a young age, I don't have all the answers. And there are people who have been in leadership way longer than me and have unique experiences. And I want to be real and humble to learn from them. And so Mm. as I was a young leader, I would have these meetings and take people out to coffee and say, hey, can I run by your office for 15 minutes? I'll bring a list of five questions. Can I ask you and learn from your leadership experience? And in these questions, man, they were so fruitful. They were so incredible. And I started to think, man, what if we could just record these these conversations? And what if even more young leaders could learn from leaders who have gone before them? And so that's really what the, these conversations are all about. It's called the Generation Distinct Podcast. And we say we have conversations to discover what it means to live a life that matters. And we talk with all different kinds of people. It's not just pastors. It's not just authors, although we do have that. But it's also um, fashion designers. It's music producers. It's our artists and poets and musicians. I mean, it's so many different people in our culture who are all, as we would say, living a life that matters, working in their unique area and their unique creative skill to move the mission of Jesus forward. And so we just have lots of conversations on me. What do we need to know as young leaders? How do we last in leadership? How do we actually like put rhythms in our lives that we don't burn out too soon? What have you learned? What do you wish you could tell a 25-year-old version of you? Um, What are the things we need to know as the next generation of leaders that you are longing for the next generation to know? And so we have a lot of those conversations. So especially if you're a young leader and you want to get a head start in your leadership journey, um, tuning into these conversations can set you up to do that. That's so good. I'm going to give you an opportunity to just name drop a little bit, like who, who have been who have been some of the interviews? Because every time you post about, it, I'm always like, how in the world did she connect with that person? It's, it's incredible. I would love to know. Maybe not even we won't make you rank them, but what have been some of your favorite interviews? Yeah, absolutely, man. I am so humbled by the incredible people that have that have yeah joined us for these conversations and and really been a support um, early on when when we had no uh, nothing to offer them and and no business having them partner with us. Um, Danielle Strickland is a friend of mine and a mentor, and she was an early adopter in the vision of Generation Distinct. Our conversation with her was incredibly insightful about kind of the layers of injustice and how it's not just one thing that contributes injustice, but there's so much systemically that contributes to injustice. And the way that she broke it down in that podcast specifically was brilliant. Um, Our interview with Liz Bohannon, founder of Seiko Designs and all around incredible uh, CEO entrepreneur uh, was one of my favorites. She really breaks down how to go from an idea to an actual business. And so I asked her really detailed questions, things like, when did you buy an office building? And how did you discover who should be on your staff? And how did you craft your business plan? And so if you're an entrepreneur, or you want to be an entrepreneur, go to that podcast and learn from her. Um, our conversations with Levi Lusco, Carlos Whitaker, Sam Collier, you know, Carrie Newhoff, Joe Saxton, Rashawn Copeland. I mean, those are some of my favorites for sure. We just had an episode come out with Joe Saxton where she talks about her new book, uh, Ready to Rise, and really speaks specifically. I asked her really specific questions on 
What does the next generation of leaders need to know to rise into the leader that they believe God has called them into? So many of us have a vision that we want to be leaders, but we're not right now. And so I asked her, man, what do they need to know? What do they need to do to go from where they are to the leader they feel called to be? And she broke it down so well. So if you're in that spot wanting to know how do I walk into my leadership as I believe God has called me to be into it, um, then go listen to that episode. It's 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 so valuable. Yeah, she's awesome in general. Yeah. I, you, you mentioned something. We're wrapping up, but I, I want to ask you a question that I did not prepare you for, so forgive me. <laughs> you talked a little bit about like people who have kind of gone before you in ministry, looking back mm-hmm. and saying, what would you say to your 25-year-old version of you? Yeah. You, you are 25. What I would love to know, yeah. if you could, if you could go back and talk to like 15-year-old Hannah, what, what would you say to 15 year old Hannah? Yeah, I would say all the visions and the dreams you have are going to happen. <laughs> um, so don't stress out. Don't try and figure out how you're going to make them happen because every time you try really hard, um, they happen less. Hmm. And every time you take a step back and allow God to do it, um, things speed up. And so um, I would say um, rely on God's power over your own creativity or ingenuity and don't allow the accolades of men to make your identity. Make sure that your identity um, is deeply rooted in Jesus. And then the accolades or the criticisms of men can just slide off your shoulders. And not that I have figured any of that out at the age of 25, um, but I am definitely on the journey. And um, yeah, that's what I would say to 15-year-old Hannah. Woo, that'll preach. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. That is the voice of Hannah Granowski, founder and CEO of Generation Distinct. She's a speaker, a preacher, an author, a podcaster. She's got a brand new book coming out September 15th, Generation Distinct, Discovering the Wrong you were born to make right. They got this brand new initiative, 2023. I can't encourage you enough. Go to generationdistinct.com or hannahgranowski.com. Join them, donate, fund, support them, come alongside. Hannah, thank you so much for always being so gracious and so kind and giving us uh, mm. some of your time to share with us all. I appreciate it very much. Such an honor, Ian, always. Appreciate it. And you're listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope you're like Coming up this hour, we're joined by Amanda Garcia, the founder and principal executive of ColorWord Creative. You're listening to The Common Good. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, normally joined by Brian Fromm, but he is out on vacation with his lovely family. Fret not, though. He'll be back mid-next week, but in his absence... We have a slew of really wonderful guest hosts, and I'm really excited for you to meet my next guest. Before I introduce her, though, real briefly, you can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show. That's not only where we post articles, but you can send us a message if you have any ideas for future shows or suggestions for interviews. You can also find us on Instagram and Twitter at Common Good Talk, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good, and wherever it is you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever. If you wouldn't mind, though, subscribing, rating, and reviewing really does somehow magically help us out a whole ton. And we're really, really grateful for all of you who have done that. And I have said enough. Now I'd like to say I am super thrilled to have my friend Amanda Garcia on the show for the very first time. Welcome to the show, friend. 
Hey, thanks. Good to be here. Oh, thank you for making the time. Would you just take uh, a minute or two and introduce yourself to our audience, however you see fit? Sure. Oh, that's a risky thing. I see fit. Um, yes, my name is Amanda Garcia. Uh, I live in Elgin, Illinois. Um, uh, as you mentioned, I uh, founded and currently own and manage a small business here in Elgin, and we focus primarily on creative communication. Um, I went to school with you at Judson University, mm-hmm. which is fun. Uh, I think I met you like the first week freshman year, and <laughs> we were on a skateboard and decided we wanted to... I think you introduced yourself by saying, can I hold on to the spoiler of your 1988 Camaro while you drive <laughs> down the street? And I said, sure. Uh, so that's, that's, um, yep, that's context. I did and, not factor in you having these types of stories on me. I totally forgot about that. Oh, I do. But I'll, I'll hold <laughs> Um And uh, yes, I have um, uh, an MBA from Southern Illinois University uh, that I got a few years ago. I have worked in donor communications with the Church of the Brethren. Um, I'm a member of the uh, Zion Lutheran Church here in Elgin, an ELCA congregation. And uh, I am here on the radio with you. Oh, I just had I just had a fir- my first baby. You too. did just uh, have your first baby okay. just like less than two months ago, right? Yep. Eight weeks ago tomorrow. Oh, yep. my goodness yep. gracious. OK, we're going to talk about that a little bit later for sure, because that's so exciting to me. But I I, I really, really love even just on the homepage of uh, Color Word, like your vision for helping create content. I mean, my, my work is church work, but I feel like oftentimes churches struggle to do exactly what it is that your your firm does. Can you talk a little bit more about what the kind of the dream and the vision behind Color Word Creative is? Absolutely. Yes. Um, And it's interesting that you say that because I was inspired because I was working for a church that struggled to tell its own story. Uh, That was my job. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like uh, when I was working in donor communications with the Church of the Brethren, which was a job that was uh, good and I learned a lot and met a lot of fascinating, wonderful people. And uh, it was a good experience. Um, But I after uh, five years of doing that, realized uh, through my work with them that they were not the only church who struggled to hmm. tell about the, the good work that they were doing um, right. locally and around the world. And I thought, what a shame that um, that these people who are doing such good work uh, are, don't have mechanisms uh, in place to tell that story. And right. so I was inspired to spread my wings and uh, start an organization that would help to promote others who have a story to tell. So um, the Church of the Brethren was one of my first clients, and we have worked with several other churches since then. Um, We currently work with several nonprofits as well as for-profits, small businesses, mid-sized businesses. Um, But yes, the vision was that if you're spending all your time and energy uh, doing something that you're passionate about and don't have the time or resources uh, to tell others about it, then mm. you're, uh, we can help with that. <laughs> so uh, mm. I've had a lot of, yeah, I've had a lot of meeting in my work because uh, I find if you ask the right questions, everyone mm. has a good story to tell mm. um, or one worth repeating. And that's our mission, whether we are uh, helping a small company who sells signs mm. here in Elgin or if we're working with, 
um, a large organization uh, or branding a church, say, creating a logo or brand suites. Uh, and I can talk more about that if you're interested. But yes, that's that's was the inspiration, actually. I love that. I want to I want to hone in on something you said, by the way, you said that if, if you ask good questions, every, everyone's got a story to tell. And I think that that's something that we've learned a lot on the show is that it's actually super rare for people to ask good questions. And I guess part and parcel, people that actually like really listen, you know, that's another component, a really necessary component. Why, why do you think asking like good questions is so difficult for so many of us to do? Um, that's a good question. Probably because we are busy trying to think of what we're going to say next. Hmm. Um, I also think empathy is important for asking good questions. Yeah. Um, one of the, in the transition between uh, my job and starting the business, I did a lot of writing for um, a publishing house in Chicago and it was all interview based writing. And mm. so I uh, had the privilege of uh, speaking with members of C-suite of the C-suite across industries and across the country. Um, and uh, at the beginning of that time, I wasn't, super great at it. Like I would mm -hmm. have a script of questions, things that I was, I, I wanted to ask these executives. And, um, after a few years of doing that, I, uh, learned that it was better to have a rough idea of what mm -hmm. I wanted, of the questions I wanted to ask, but to be willing to make it a conversation, uh, much like you do here with your show. Mm -hmm. Um, and allow it to be a little bit more organic because if I was so focused on the next question I was going to ask, I, I found myself missing the response right. that they were giving me. And so then I couldn't ask a follow-up or I couldn't ask them to go a little deeper. Or um, I spoke with an attorney one time who was telling me about her family upbringing and uh, that she grew up in Texas and went across the border to her grandma's house in Mexico for mm. a party. And I don't remember why that was important to the story, but my follow-up question was, what does your grandma make for dinner? Mm. Because I wanted to make sure that I had enough of a personal context in the story um, when I was writing it to make it uh, fun to read. So, um, and, and that's, that's probably too specific of an example, but uh, I would not have remembered to or thought to ask that question if I was thinking more about what I was going to say instead of what she was saying to me. Right. Um, and I was trying to put myself in her shoes and imagine what she was going through and as in her childhood, what would that have been like? So that's why I say, yes, the, the listening is important. The empathy is important. And why, why do we, why are we bad at that? I don't know. We're distracted. <laughs> We're distracted all the time yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, by too many things, notifications and competition and comparison. And hmm. yeah, I don't know. I think I think you're right on. I remember the first time I, I read Paul Tillich, who said the first duty of love is to listen. And mm -hmm. for some reason, that just elevated my mind. I never really built the link between loving and listening. But I thought one of the times that I felt most loved in my life. Oh, yeah, it was probably somebody really focused and listening to something that I was sharing. And I for me, that like was a switch like, OK, I need to get way better at this because I imagine a lot of people have felt very like unloved by interactions with me because I was sort of listening and I was also doom scrolling on my phone or, you know what I mean? Or like what you were saying, just thinking of the next, 
thinking of the next question is, is, you know, rooted in like, I don't want to look like an idiot. So I am, I am going to prepare while you're talking so that I can keep this conversation going. I don't think it's a terrible motive, but I think you're right on. And I think I'm just going to read this to close the segment. Your about section says color word creative is a custom content creation firm that specializes in developing dynamic visual and written messages and communication strategy using uh, both color and word. I want to ask you a little bit more about that process and what that's like for people and what that's like for you to develop something out of that because uh, I think that's really, really fascinating. So that's what's coming up next with Amanda Garcia here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is still Ian Simpkins, and I am normally joined by the right Reverend Brian Fromm, but he is out gallivanting with his family, enjoying the sunshine, I'm assuming. I don't. He doesn't text me when he's on vacation, but he'll be back next week, mid-next week, and uh, in his absence, we have a bunch of really wonderful special guests. Real quickly, before we get back to Amanda Garcia, you can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. That's on any platform, by the way. And any amount of subscribing or rating or reviewing is super helpful. And uh, Amanda Garcia is not only my friend, and apparently has been my friend, if your math is correct, is like 17 years now. Is that right? Mm, so long. Oh my gosh. Even saying that out loud, that, that is terrifying. And I guess when I met her, I was on a skateboard, which I don't own a skateboard. So that's already peculiar. I don't think it was yours to be fair. I don't know how to skateboard either. I do remember the Camaro. I remember the Camaro for sure. Yeah, that was a good car. I'm pretty sure you were borrowing someone's skateboard and then also hitched a ride on someone else's car because you did I'm such a creep. I'm so sorry. It's a miracle that you're still friends with me at all, to be honest. You know, it was I. It was meant to be. <laughs> all right. So a couple of interesting things about Amanda that we're going to talk about for the rest of the hour. She is the founder and principal executive of Color Word Creative. You can learn more at colorwordcreative.com. Highly recommend it. She's also, uh, she's got a couple of degrees. She's on the board of an ecumenical center. She's the treasurer of Gail Borden Public Library. She's a new mom. So I'm assuming you're not sleeping, but uh, I'm uh, I'm really curious. You were talking about your company a bit, which I think is phenomenal, by the way, because this is something in church world that I think people, like you said, need a lot of help with. I'd, I'd be curious to know what what are some of the clients you work with and, and what is that process like when someone clicks, you know, request a quote or whatever? What, what is that? What is that process like for people? Ah. Uh. Um, yeah, we work with a lot of local nonprofits here in Elgin, Illinois, um, and we have worked with churches. We also work with small businesses and mid-sized businesses in a variety mm-hmm. of industries. Um, and, you know, honestly, due to COVID, uh, our work has pivoted just mm-hmm. like everybody else's, I suppose. Um, right. We are a small team, so I think we are um, blessed to be able to be agile and mm-hmm. and shift with, with people's needs. Right. Um, Yes. So uh, some of the the interesting, they're all interesting. All of my clients are the best. I love them. They're great. <laughs> um, but uh, we have we were talking about uh, some of the nonprofits in our area. And uh, one of those is uh, Food for Greater Elgin, which mm-hmm. is a, a large food pantry here in Elgin. Um, 
and they have been uh, very busy uh, because so many people have filed for unemployment and are working with less uh, smaller incomes. And so they've seen a huge increase in need in our area uh, mm-hmm. for people to come and shop. They're a client choice pantry. And uh, so that means people can come in and shop for what they want in the in the store there. Awesome. And we, we do things like manage their social media and their uh, monthly email newsletter um, and last month, we helped them put on a, a digital uh, live fundraiser uh, because it would traditionally be done in person, but it wasn't able to be. And so right. we, we moved online. Uh, that's been a new thing to offer. Uh, another one of our clients is Centro de Información, which is also here in Elgin. And uh, they've been around for... Uh, 30, 40 some years actually, and and work with the largely the immigrant population, uh, Hispanic population, um, and people come from all over. And uh, anybody who needs assistance, uh, it means the center of information, and they will literally translate your water bill for you if you. Wow. If, your second language, um, but they also host citizenship seminars, um, and uh, they are launching a new prog- program with. Uh, uh, access justice, which will help folks who are going through the citizenship process here. Um, and so it's great to work with them. We also manage their social media and newsletters, and we're putting on an event for them coming up in October. It's their annual gala. Um, this hmm. year's theme, United in Hope. Um, this just sounds like I'm giving you commercials for my clients. <laughs> no, it's so interesting, though. I love it. I love it. Yeah, yeah it's we, we do uh, a lot there's a variety in our work that I really enjoy. I really enjoy. Okay. Um, I want to, I want to ask you about the brewery you're working with then. Oh okay. yes. Okay. So it's Tell not a brewery. A it's not. Yes, a brewery. Okay. Okay. It's not, but there is a, a brew event uh, okay. that's coming up in, in September, uh, September, oh, the middle of September. It's either <laughs> the 14th. Um, it's <laughs> the, uh, there's a foundation uh, again here in Elgin. I promise we work with people outside of Elgin, um, but <laughs> <laughs> they are the uh, Elgin Parks and Recreation Foundation, and they raise money to um, give scholarships to youth in our area who wouldn't have the opportunity to do things mm-hmm. like get a pool pass or join a little league team. Um, so it's uh, they promote things like leadership in youth and uh, health and whatever. But they're having their annual event, which is usually held at a golf course. But this year, it's going to be online. It's called mm. Illinois Brews at Bose. It's usually at Bose Creek uh, mm. Golf Club. But this year, it's going to be online. So if you buy tickets, which will be available soon, um, you will receive a uh, hand-selected six-pack on your doorstep or in whatever way they're going to deliver these. And then uh, during the live event, be able to taste them with the brewers and do things like tasting notes and things like that. So if you uh, like beer and um, uh, youth scholarships, this is the event for you. <laughs> that, that is brilliant. I love that. And I love what I love about that, though, is like the the, the different organizations you just mentioned are vastly different from one another. And yes. I imagine that's got to be part of what like owning and running a company like this entails, like you never know who's going to click that get a quote button. And oh. I, like, what what is it like for you to have to be able to think creatively in a number of different various lanes? That is my favorite part of my job. Hmm. It is 
the I get bored easily, and this is just a fun. Same, so, same here. Yeah, I know, I know. So it's so fun to be able to work with so many different people who are doing such good things. Um, and uh, despite the differences in in their services and their offerings, um, and whether they're a nonprofit or a for profit, uh, we always start with the same the same questions. This comes back to what we were talking about earlier about mm-hmm. being. A, good listener and being able to ask good questions because um, our job is to tell their story and and often um, that means visually. So from a design perspective, we do a lot of branding um, and a lot of promotion, event promotion or uh, product promotion. Um, and to be able to do that honestly is means we have to understand who we're representing because right. essentially we are acting as a megaphone for their voice, which means we have to get out of the way enough to let them shine and to promote them. So it, it starts always by asking those questions. Um, and I love that interview process because uh, when I can walk into uh, a meeting with a client and say, tell me about your goals and about your hopes and dreams and what was your inspiration behind this behind coming to this organization and what do you hope to accomplish? Um, uh, and when I watch their eyes light up and they mm-hmm. can riff about what they hope to, to do, um, then a partnership is formed and we're able to create content that they feel proud of. And that's my favorite thing. That's phenomenal. I love that. I have some more questions by the way, but thankfully you're sticking around for two more segments. So uh, that won't be a problem. That uh, voice you're hearing by the way is Amanda Garcia. She's the founder and principal executive of Color Word Creative. You can learn more at colorwordcreative.com. And coming up next, I'm going to ask a little bit more about some of her organizational values and vision, as well as some of her work in the world of ecumenism. That's coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Oh, hi, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, normally joined by Brian Fromm. He's on vacation, but he returns, I think, Wednesday? Who even knows? He's, you know, one of those pastor types. But uh, in his absence, though, we have a bunch of really wonderful, special guest hosts who are joining us for an hour at a time. And before I continue our conversation with Amanda Garcia, quick reminder, our Facebook page is The Common Good Radio Show, and you can get our podcast wherever it is you get podcasts. That's enough promoting on the show. I know you guys are tired of hearing it. But I have for this entire second hour, my friend, Amanda Garcia, the founder and principal executive of Color Word Creative. You can learn more at colorwordcreative.com. And she's been telling us a bit about the creative process and helping people tell stories and create imaging and messaging, which I know as a pastor is something that churches in particular can really struggle with. But she's also been talking about kind of her unique array of clients. And I was reading through, Mandy, on your website, both your vision and then sort of a list of things that you believe in the power of. And there's some words that jumped out to me. And before I ask about those words, what was it like trying to craft things like that for your own company, a company that helps other companies craft these kinds of phrases? Like, what was that process like? So hard. It is really, <laughs> this is why you need help to do this. Yeah. <laughs> because you have to have someone come in and ask those questions that you hadn't thought of and to dig through your answers to get to where the gold is and then mm. pull it out and refine it and say, here, bam, these are your these are your values based on this three hour long conversation. Let's distill that into two sentences or one sentence. Right, or right. Principles. And, and it's so hard to do that um, for yourself. <laughs> So uh, that's the short answer is difficult. Yeah. Um, 
it was uh, a really important process, though. I have to say, it took it took a couple of years. We celebrated four years this June, actually, um, wow. of being incorporated, and this did not. This was not written until it, it took it took three three years of mulling it over before. Wow. Really landed on what it is, and and I and I couldn't have done it in a vacuum either. I have to say that this every year we take a, a creative retreat with our our little team, and um, this was the main trying to interview ourselves was the the main mm. goal of our retreat two years ago, and um, yeah, so it was I couldn't do it by myself. I definitely needed the I needed the the chorus of voices from my team. Mm. Um, to, to make it sing. So, uh, yeah, the process was difficult, but it was important. Yeah. Right. Yes. It feels really good to have it done. <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Well, and I don't, I don't want you to, uh, to give away any of your creative secrets, but like, what would you say to someone who maybe they lead a church or run an organization or they're thinking of starting one? Like what is the first question or the starting point you usually begin with people and like helping them even begin to think about, like what their vision is, what their values are. Uh, the first question I usually ask is, uh, "Why are you doing this?" I am mm. uh, a big fan of Simon Sinek. Um, mm-hmm. His book or TED Talk, "Start with Why," um, is a great starting point for any conversation like this. Because if you don't know why you're doing it, you don't have a reason um, mm. to inspire other people to get behind you. Um, because if, if your reason is to tell great stories, then it doesn't, it, it matters less how you do it or what you do. Um, mm-hmm. and mostly matters why, because people can get behind the why quicker than they can get behind. Like I want to do email marketing, which is mm-hmm. not nearly as inspiring as I want to tell stories, no matter what that means. Um, that. so starting with why is the, that's the first thing. What inspired you to start your business or your organization? Uh, why? Uh, uh, what was inside of you that was demanding mm. that be done right now? Um, and then I often will switch to then what do you hope to accomplish? What are your goals? Where do you see this going? What's your definition of success for this enterprise? Mm. Um, is it is it to I mean, for churches, so often we get caught up in numbers. You know, I want the congregation to grow by X amount. I I want to have, you know, two million people in worship on Sunday (laughs) morning. Um, But what if it's not that? What? What if? What? What if your why is not about the numbers, but and you're so therefore your definition of success is something like. well, I don't know, Ian. What's your definition of success for your congregation? Oh boy, see, I knew, I knew you were going to do that. For me, it, it it always comes down to formation. You know, I think we we get caught. You know, people don't want to hear me talk. I just think often the church gets caught in this dichotomous: are we missional or attractional? And I'm like, I think both of those to some degree miss the like. What does it mean to be an apprentice of Jesus? That's a formation question. That is a that's an allegiance. I mean, we even the word discipleship gets so overused that people kind of tune out. But I think yes. people understand apprentice. Like, okay, if I'm actually apprenticing Jesus. So for me, that's sort of like my that's my laser focus is like helping people, you know, become apprentices of Jesus. Oh, that's yeah. good. That's a fresh word too. I like that. Really? So that's right. nice. Yeah, I do. I like that. That's good. So if your laser focus is on apprenticeship of Jesus, then um, that would guide a conversation about how to. Um, 
create or hone your Hmm. organizational voice or look, visual look, um, because that informs so much. So um, if your success is also your why, I mean, wow, that's perfect, you know? So Hmm. it's taking into the beginnings and um, where you hope to see things. Those, that's where we start. And, and then we get into nitty gritty things when we get those, those parts out of the way. But honestly, it can take an hour just to get to the why. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of conversations where I've had to push back and say, that's, that's not, if your answer isn't a why it's a right. what or a how. Mm-hmm. Um, so then it requires a lot of follow-up push back questions um, to dig deep. But then when you get, when you get to that nugget, then uh, everything cracks open. And um, that's really when the fun starts. I love that, which requires more than just like, I think people, I I imagine people even hearing you talk about that. Like that's why what you were saying earlier in the show about listening is so important because it's not just some formula that you can slap on every entrepreneur or every organization, like to, to have that pushback. If you're just filling out a form online, the form isn't going to know like that's not actually a why that's a what, which is why I think, you know, some of your expertise is so important. And what, what I was mentioning earlier this segment, because I read a lot of vision statements and I have mm-hmm. over the years and mm-hmm. like some of the words and like, you you know, you have one category. I, uh, we believe in the power of and the second mm-hmm. is our vision is and like certain words that catch my mind are like uh, narrative, authenticity, um, you have generosity in there. I very rarely see generosity in anyone's vision statement. Like what was behind some of the specificity of those words? You mentioned that it was a, a long process. Like were, were there things that kind of just jumped out at you after mulling it over for months and months? Or were there things that you all you always knew? No, that's like core to who I am. I just got to figure out how to actually lay it out. Yeah, uh, I think it's a little bit of both. There are certain things that I knew were core uh, always from day one when I was um, – still just a freelancer before the business had actually started to form. I knew that mm. narrative was uh, the most important thing. Mm. I've mentioned the story a couple of times just in the time we've been talking. Um, and so that I knew was super important. Um, and hospitality is another one that is pretty core. That's uh, to my whole person. So I knew that one was really important. Um, generosity is an, an interesting uh, word for you to pull out too, because um it bothers me that that word is so often associated with money um, because right. I feel like what we do and what I mean by generosity is um, comes back to listening. That seems to be the theme of this episode. Mm. <laughs> it's all about listening. I love it. It's appropriate for a radio show, but yes, um, in, in asking the right questions and listening to the response and um, giving your team the benefit of the doubt and giving your clients everything that they need to get to where they're going. Um, and that, uh, that that can take so many different forms and shapes. So um, that one took a while to get to, to get to mm. you know, generosity. This is good that this, this is what that, me- that means. Um, uh, so it's, it was a little bit of both. Yeah. Your question was how much of it did we work up to and how much, no, I love that. I love that. I think that's really helpful for people to hear, though, because I think sometimes there's a myth that like, just get yourself a cup of coffee and sit still for a half hour. And this whole thing will just sort of be revealed to you. And anyone that I know that's done the hard work of doing like what you're talking about, they talk about it like a labor of love. Like, no, it's arduous. Like, it's really tough to like dig in and mine. And that's why I find what you do so fascinating. And, and coming up next, by the way, I want to pivot a little bit because not only are you the founder of this company, You've also served in some ecumenical ways, and you're an elected member of the uh, Gail Borden Public Library. 
Board of Trustees, which I think is fascinating. So that's how we're going to wrap up the show and today's hour with Amanda Garcia, the founder and principal executive of Color Word Creative, coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160, Hope for Your Life. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. We are on the home stretch in this week of very special guests. Just to say it out loud, by the way, before I forget, uh, I want to say Amanda, but I know you as Mandy. Mandy, I'm super grateful for you and your friendship and your heart and your creativity. I think I think you have an incredibly beautifully creative mind and spirit, and I'm excited that you're a new mom now. And I just want to say that out loud to both you and everyone listening. I think you're great. And if you're in need, honestly, in anything that she's been talking about, go to colorwordcreative.com and uh, I, I guarantee you won't be disappointed. But I just want to say thanks for, I don't know, taking the time to hang out with us for a little bit. I really appreciate it very much. Thanks, Ian. You're so welcome. Oh, my pleasure. Really. My pleasure. Um, a couple of things we haven't talked about that I think are also really interesting about your life. So you serve on the uh, the board of trustees for Gail Borden Public Library, which yes. <laughs> I think was like being built when we first started Judson, now that I think about it, which is crazy to think about. Actually, you're right. The new building, which is now, yeah, like 15 years old. Oh, my goodness. That yeah. is. We can talk about that another time. But you also have done a lot of work in uh, the sphere of ecumenism. And I imagine, first off, some people might not actually know what that is. So could you kind of unpack what uh, what ecumenical actually means? And then why, why are you so passionate about that kind of work? Okay, nine minutes. Ecumenism, go. <laughs> um, uh, I, yes, uh, ecumenism to, to me, and, you know, you could weigh in and make sure that I'm defining it correctly, sure. <laughs> <laughs> but is the space where... Uh, Churches can uh, come together. You know, I had a I had a friend who defined himself rather than associating himself as a Presbyterian or Lutheran or Methodist or Evangelical. He said, "I'm an ecumenist," mm-hmm. um, meaning that his um, his identity was in the church, big C, whole thing, right. rather than divided into segments uh, or denominations. Um, and I am passionate about it or have really loved my experience working with so many different denominations hmm. um, and see the value and beauty in so many of them uh, that um, I think it's really beautiful when they all come together and we focus more on what brings us together than divides us, which that's kind of your jam, isn't it? <laughs> it is kind of my jam. I love it. Honestly, and this is a little bit of a tee up. That's been kind of the hope and vision behind the name of the show. The The common good means one thing, but we really honed in on the word common because, man, it feels like we are more divided than we ever have been. People are at yeah. each other's throats more than we ever have been. And it's all sort of on display because of social media and now quarantine on top of that. So I felt like what would it look like to create a common space where everyone listening doesn't have to agree on everything? But what do we have? Like, what do we have in common? Like, what are the things that you know, like you were saying, bring us together. And I, and again, like when you say it like that, that sounds like, Oh yeah, everyone would be into that. Why wouldn't everyone be into that? But I'd be curious to know in, in your experience and work, what are some of the, what have been some of the barriers of ecumenism? Like why do people resist it? Um, because everyone thinks they're right. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You're not uh, wrong. Yeah. I, I think uh, the places that I've seen it done most successfully is when, um, People who, if everyone has the same list of things that are important to them, but they're itemized or in order in a different way. So Mm -hmm. if the most 
important thing to you is communion or the most important thing to you is baptism or the most important thing to you is authority of scripture. And everyone agrees that all those things are important, but they are in uh, a different order, say, mm-hmm. um, one, two, and three. As long as you can all like come together at the same in the same place and say, we all agree that these things are important and it's okay that you think communion is more important than baptism and you think that the authority of scripture is more important than communion, but it's okay because we, we know that they're all important and so we're here together. Right. Uh, that's, that's when it, I've seen it and experienced it in a really beautiful way. Um, mm. When people aren't trying to convince everybody else in the room that their number one priority should be everyone's number one priority. Right, right. You just jogged my memory, actually. So I'd mentioned uh, during the break, my friend and one of my mentors, John, John Armstrong, started a ministry called Act 3. That's now called um, Initiative. And every three years, he would have an ecumenical gathering at Mundelein Seminary which I never felt qualified to be invited to, by the way. It's like doctors and people like, how many books have you written? I'm like, how many? What are you talking? Like, it was just a, a caliber of intellect. that I, I just, I had no business being in that room. It was, yeah, it was so intimidating. But I remember one of these gatherings, we had all sat in a circle and we were, we were lamenting and confessing to each other for the ways that we had caused division between Catholic and Protestant brothers and sisters, even between our own Protestant divisions. And someone said, I'll never forget this. Now he said, even when we can't have doctrinal ecumenism, we can have relational ecumenism. Right. Like we don't have, we don't all have to agree on the Eucharist. We're probably never going to agree on some of these things, but we're here because of relationships. And I remember that being so powerful to witness. And I'm wondering if that's, that's been some of your experience. Yes, absolutely. I mean, at the end of the day, if the most important thing is Jesus, yeah, right, um, and that can remain the focus, then um, the other things all seem secondary. Mm-hmm. Uh, at least for me, uh, I suppose not for everyone, but yeah, that's a truly powerful thing um, because if what Jesus ultimately wanted was for the church to grow, um, mm-hmm. then the emphasis maybe should be on. Um, welcoming people into that space instead of uh, focusing on dividing around different priorities, right. uh, theological priorities, I suppose. Well, I remember hearing someone recently say, you know, what we commonly called the Lord's Prayer, that's really the disciples' prayer. That was them asking, Lord, teach us to pray. And what he was saying was, what's actually the Lord's Prayer is John 17, that they would be one, that they would be unified that was that was his prayer on earth that we would be that we would be one and i think yeah that can be really discouraging at times when you look and see how divided things are 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 you hopeful in that regard like with regards to everything you see online and the stuff i was saying earlier like do you do you have hope for like the big c church i oh ian that is You didn't tell me you were going to ask that. Sorry, that's a big question. <laughs> do, I have, do, I, do I have hope? Um, I think the short answer is yes, I have hope uh, in the future of the Big C Church. Mm. And uh, no, I don't have hope in the way that it has been done. Mm. I really appreciate Phyllis Tickle's book, The Emergent Church. Yes, um, yes. Resonated with that, that one quite a bit. Uh, I love the idea of rebirth and... Um, uh, she, I'm pretty sure at one point 
No, she, I'm sure, didn't use this phrase. Uh, it's my phrase. Um, when she divides the church and says, you know, if these are the quadrants of the church, and then um, in every next generation, people move co- quadrants and, and take part of it with them when they move. So then it starts to swirl. And mm. then I start calling it the great toilet bowl of the church, um, <laughs> swirling around together. Um, and then you end up with something completely new because it's been all of these traditions uh, pulling from one square to the next, to the next, to the next. And then, um, and then you have people who, uh, I think I would have to say myself uh, who don't understand why, um, why it's so important to divide lines where they mm-hmm. were divided maybe 40 years ago, because to me, I would just rather have, um, those folks there with me in, in church right. together. Um, right. so, that I know is uh, also uh, can be a contentious thing because uh, my grandparents and my parents who I love and respect also have different perspectives on the church. It right. seems to be something that changes over time. Um, and so my hope is in the future. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, especially if we can continue to find these places of commonality. Right. Um, but I do, I don't have much hope for uh, f- forcing church into the box that we've created for it yeah Uh, yeah totally agree that's a beautiful word thank you for sharing that and uh it's been lovely having you for the entire hour by the way i hope that hope that you all had fun i hope that you listening had fun and we'll be back again tomorrow from 4 to 6 p.m but i cannot recommend enough go to colorwordcreative.com and for this entire hour you've been listening to my friend amanda garcia the founder and principal executive of color world creative mandy thank you so much for taking so much time to be with us today my pleasure. Truly, truly. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. It's been fast. <laughs> I'm so glad you had fun. I know I had fun, and I hope you all listening had fun. And we'll see you all tomorrow. You've been listening to The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life.